once forged in the fires of PR and journalism, Curtis Dewar and Corey Westbrook united to create C-Squared. Now on our podcast, we interview musicians and other industry professionals to give you an inside look on how to take your music to the next level. Hello, everyone. You are listening to the C Squared podcast with Corey and Curtis. Today, we are back with Ben Umanov, Metal Sucks band manager. He is a guy of, well, many experiences, longtime career in metal. He's going to be doing a deep dive into band management and also a bit of talk on ads today. So first, I just want to say welcome back. We're glad to have you back on the show. Uh, thanks for having me. I, I feel old when uh, introduced as a longtime career, but I guess I have made it to that. Point. Hey, you know what? For anybody, all anybody yeah. knows, you could have started your career when you were 12. Hey? I mean, I, I, I started playing in bands around that time. So exactly. I mean, in, in a See? way I did. So, I mean, you could have a 20 year career in your early 30s at that point. So <laughs> totally. So I'm like there are three decades in the music business here, people. <laughs> yeah. So wealth of knowledge. So everybody should kick back and pay attention. Um, so last time we had you on here, we let everybody know your, your career and everything that you've been working on and, you know, what you've done, but, um, we definitely want to touch base more on the band management side. You manage two bands, correct? Um, let's call it two and a half, uh, not 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 because it's half a band, but because my work for, uh, the third band is not uh, like really a full-time endeavor. Um, but it's Rivers of Nile, Black Crown Initiate, and a doom trio from Canada called Voler, V-O-L-U-R. Awesome. Oh. And so just to get started, how did you get started as a band manager? What really attracted you to it? Well, um, I'd been in the music industry working around managers, I guess you could say, for, for a while. And uh, one of my first jobs was kind of a split position uh, where I was basically an assistant to two different people, one of whom owned a small record label and operated a recording studio, and one of whom was a manager. He mostly managed producers and mixers, but did have some bands. And, um, you know, I guess that was kind of my uh, first direct exposure to it, I guess you could say, other than dealing with managers previously. But later on, I mean, I think I just wanted to help bands, you know, I wanted to be in the process. Uh, I think I got into it the same reason that I think a lot of folks do, which is you discover a cool band that you're really passionate about. And it's like, fuck, this band is so good. Like, how do I help them? Like, how do I use all my connections to make this band the biggest band in the world? Um, You know, and and so so I just jumped into it. um, Not really fully knowing what I was doing, but that's okay. That's how we all start. And, uh, and just continued into it from there, learning as I went. That is awesome. And as you were learning, I mean, there's a lot of misconceptions about what a band manager does and does not do. And not a, not a lot of people really fully understand the role. I don't even fully understand the role and I'm doing it. So, (laughs) um, so in your mind, what, are the things that band managers do and then also do not do what, what they can't do or what they shouldn't be doing. A band manager's job in, in the most simple way to explain it is to be the go-between 
between the band members and everyone else in the music industry. So the band members should not really be dealing with booking agents, with publicists, with record label people, um, with photographers, video people. I mean, obviously there are exceptions where, uh, particularly on the creative side, if a band member wants to explain their creative vision for a music video to a director, you know, like I don't need to be parlaying that conversation. They should just talk directly. And there are certain examples like that, but for the most part, the manager is the go-between. The manager is the person that takes creative language and ideas coming from the band and translates them into the business world. You know, it's mm -hmm. like this, there's like this Dr. Seuss machine with, you know, like chemicals and balls like going all over the place. And you're like, bloop, 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 bloop. And it comes in from the band and goes back out to the business world. And then it's also our job to do the other thing in reverse, you know, take a sort of take the stuff that's coming from the business world, analyze it with a mindset of does this work for the band? Yes or no? What can we change? Can we make it better? And, and then bring it back to the band and put them in the best possible position for success based on your experience and your knowledge. And then, so I know that the goal between the go between role for uh, the business and the band, but one thing I've noticed that some bands do, and it's kind of an old habit, and I want your thoughts on it, where the manager <clears throat> is actually the one responding to fans as well. And I personally am not a fan of that kind of wall between the fans and the band, but what are your thoughts on that kind of a relationship where it's that person's not only going in between the band and the business side, but also the band and the fans? I think it's always great if a band member or members can be the people to do that. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. that's ideal. And particularly early on when there's not such a large volume of uh, communications, I think that's great. Um, some band members don't necessarily have that skill, though. You know, they're not on social media as much. They're maybe just not very communicative and they, they might need somebody to step in. And once you get to a certain level, it's, it's just impossible, I think, to keep up with all the, you know, I mean, like even the bands at the level that that I manage get, uh, you know, it can be overwhelming sometimes the amount of stuff mm -hmm. that comes in. Um, you know, now I don't typically do that for my bands. They do it themselves, which is great. But um, I, I mean, I guess to answer your question, I think it's it's absolutely best if bands can handle their own interactions with fans. It really I think fans just, you know, they, they want to know they're interacting with the band. It feels good to be mm -hmm. validated. Yeah, I totally, I totally agree on that. I do help my guys a little bit just because their English isn't super great. So I will do some translating. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, beyond that, it's, it's pretty much all them on the interaction level. Uh, but I know Curtis's face right now. He's got what I call follow-up well, face. <laughs> I, well, there's a couple things. Well, number one, before we get off the management topic, because I know mm -hmm. we also want to get into ads, I kind of want to know how you kind of manage the different roles personally that you have, because you got Metal Sucks, you got Blast Beat, you got the uh, you got the three different bands. Obviously, you got kids on top of all that. So, how does Ben Umanoff kind of like separate all the different jobs throughout the day? Because you got a lot on your plate, and it's a lot to get done. Yeah, I mean, I, honestly, I really I, I wake up and I sit down at my desk 
and I just attack the day the best I can. Uh, you know, I take a quick look at my email box and see what's there. If there's anything urgent, I'll handle that first. Um, typically, I will try to write some content sort of, uh, you know, on the earlier side. First thing, if possible, if there's anything urgent, I'll take care of it and then get to writing some content for Metal Sucks. Um, because there's maybe some things I didn't get to from the day before or some things that came out of Europe before we were even awake. Uh, and I like to kind of, you know, for me at this point, that kind of writing is second nature. You know, I can just sit down and shit out 300 words <laughs> without any effort, <laughs> you know, and, and make mm -hmm. it ho hopefully funny and entertaining. Probably I, I fail at that. Certainly I do fail at that sometimes, but um, you know, but anyway, point being, it's easy for me to just sit down. I've just done it so much. Uh, like, I think we're approaching 50,000 posts on Metal Sucks. So like, yep. I, you know, I don't know how many of those I wrote, 20,000 something, you know, so it's just easy to just sit down and knock that out. And then I can approach the day with a more creative mindset. You know, like I kind of like I get the, the work out of the way first, and then I can tackle the things that require a little bit more whichever, whichever side of the brain is the creative one, the right side, the left side, I forget. Uh, you know, if I need to put together sales pitches on the advertising side that require a little bit of thought, or, um, you know, I need to, if I'm working on a piece for metal sucks, that's a bit more involved or some other management stuff, you know, things that are, are a little bit more involved. I, I kind of, I like to warm up with the like work work to just kind of get in yep. the mode yep. and then attack the day the best I can from there. So just as one follow-up to that, what do you actually consider to be your primary job out of those three? If you have, if you, if you consider one thing to be your primary job? Well, income wise, it's metal sucks. Really? Um, oh. uh, Oh yeah, by by a lot. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. So I was gonna say, I mean, blast beat and metal sucks are so closely intertwined there. that you know, if we were to, I mean, it's also kind of a technicality because yeah. the money flows from blast beat. The money flows into blast beat, and then it flows out of blast beat into metal sucks and metal injection and Lamgo and PRP. You know, the other yeah. sites that we do. Um, so it's hard to kind of quantify like where it really comes from yeah. in a way, but you know, like the, the, without the content of, of metal sucks last beat would be worthless to me. If that makes sense, you know, I like black blast beat is the economic engine, but that's useless without a place to put those ads. Um, you know, and like, if you were to look at my tax return, you would see most of the money coming from metal sucks, uh, you know, and blast beat, we have to see, we have to keep it going. We have to keep the money coming in, but, um, in many ways, it's kind of self-sustaining at this point. Okay. That's interesting. Um, and then management, it depends for many years. I earned little to nothing on management. Yeah. Um, I've, told this story before, probably even on the last episode of this podcast, but on the entire first Rivers of Nile record, the entire commission that I earned for, you know, two years of work, like album promotion, touring, everything, 
I just spent it all on a giant print of the album cover from Dan Seagrave to like hang it, you know, and like that was that was it. And that was seriously, honestly a, the best investment and use of that money, you know, but it's management is a lot of work up front for not yeah. a lot of return. Um, and it, it's not until recently that I've actually been able to earn some real money from from the management side. Um, but, you know, then again, going back the other way in 2020 and 2021, there's no touring. So there's very little for me to commission as a manager. Mm -hmm. Totally. Uh, but one more question for Ben before you go, go Corey, if that's okay. Oh, no, go for it. Go for it. Okay. So, so just, just to wrap up, just on, just on that. So basically with metal sucks then as being the driving force behind blast beat, well, for, for ads, I guess. So how do you kind of, Maybe I'm kind of going into the ad question already. Sorry, Corey. Um, no, you're totally good. Good, how, uh, good pivot. Very, very it nice. It is a good uh, pivot. Yeah, good yeah, pivot. Yeah, I, I am right now accidentally, I realized. But okay, so if Blastbeat is like the main income driver for like Metal Sucks and you guys also have the other different sites beneath you, how does it kind of work with the Divi up, I guess? Like, do you guys do all the ads across all those platforms or is it primarily Metal Sucks and then the other guys get a little, like, how does that work? I guess is what I'm um, well, it's important to note that Metal Injection is the other uh, big site in the network. Uh, you know, yep. and the guys who own Metal Injection are yep. also owners of Blastbeat. Um, although Blastbeat does not own Metal Injection or Metal Sucks, which is an important distinction that many people confuse. Um, oh, yeah. But um, and then, of course, also Lamgoat and and PRP are, are sort of like the next tier traffic wise of sites in the network, you know, also yep. very significant sites. Um, but the way it works, st speaking strictly from a banner ad standpoint, is we have complex software that uh, runs on a web server and its job is to figure out when the banners get displayed where they do. And essentially the way it works is that if you have a pie, the pie is divvied up into slices proportional to the amount of traffic that each site gets. Ah, I see. Um, and that's all done automatically behind the scenes, updating in real time by the millisecond, changing all the time based on traffic patterns and delivery needs of each ad, you know, whether they're targeted or, or not, um, and so on and so forth. So the biggest sites in the get in the network get the most money Obviously. just because they get more traffic. Yep. Yep. Cool. And, and cool. that's, and, and I mean, if you were to like zoom out and make the pie, the entire internet, then it would be the same, you know, it would still be, you'd still be seeing the biggest sites getting the most yep. banner ads because they have the most traffic. So it's basically just like a little metal metal, mini version of the internet. Corey, did you not say like uh, one time about, like there was something about ads that you had mentioned about banner ads that I thought you wanted to ask Banner. Did I did I totally imagine that? I think you might be imagining that. Okay. Um, but no, my question on the ads, um, just to get started, like for newer bands, there are so many different ways to run ads, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, um, obviously Blastfeet. What do you think is the most like effective starting point for somebody who's still small, just getting their feet wet with ads, 
probably don't have a grand to drop on, you know, a banner ad or something through Blasty. What do you think is the most effective way for them to just get started in adding and advertising their band? Well, um, you may disagree with me on this, and I certainly welcome your input and, and would like to hear it. Um, but I think if you're a band at that level, you really shouldn't be spending ad money on advertising. Uh, mm -hmm. Like, I think you should be focusing on, uh, on songwriting and performing first and foremost. And I, once you feel that, you, you know, your band is at a good level, maybe ready to release an album, I think you should focus on PR. I think you should focus on getting uh, a cool music video, a good photographer, um, social media strategy. And then I think advertising would probably be the lowest on that list for me. I actually uh, don't disagree with you on that at all, because without all of that quality content that you just mentioned, no, not really. Without all that quality content that you just mentioned, the music, the music videos, the social media presence what are you advertising? <laughs> right, exactly. And just like, why are you spending that money? You know, like, I, I don't think, you know, and I like somebody makes my living from advertising, like 99.5% uh, separate from the management stuff, just speaking on the website. Like I tell bands all the time that like occasionally we'll have a, a local, you know, independent band come with a thousand dollars, 2000. And I'm just like, guys, like, don't spend that money on advertising. You're throwing it away. Um, th this may be sort of an old school attitude, which is, you know, I think maybe where you, you might, Corey, have a differing opinion, mm -hmm. but advertising traditionally is kind of a crapshoot. You know, you're just like mm -hmm. putting stuff out there and hoping that it makes an imprint with people for some nebulous future result. Um, now advertising has obviously evolved quite a bit since the 1950s, or even just in the last 10 years where you can measure return on investment and, you know, and view time and, and engagement and, you know, like all these things, and you can see real time results. Um, but I don't know. I, I think it's just like, I think it's it's just not productive to get too caught up in that stuff when you're on, on when you're just coming up as a band, because you should really just be focusing on other things. Like I think like any gains you're making in those areas are probably so incremental that they're not really going to move the needle compared to what, say, a great fucking song would or a really cool music video. Um you know, and I just think, and you know, and you know this, you can spend hours tinkering with that stuff, with, with the ad stuff. <laughs> that's, you know? that's my bread and butter. That's what I do. Yeah. Is I tinker with ads all day long. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and I mean, that's why I said, you know, I think you might disagree. Like, I wonder what your thoughts are on that for a band at, say, like Akiavel's level. So um, the ads that we've been running have been really, really effective because the content itself is really effective. I'm using content advertising, not, you know, where it's like a 15 second clip and then it says click here to do the full video. That's not what I'm doing. I'm doing something that's not, a, I don't think a lot of people do. I set up their entire music video as an in-stream ad. So it'll pop up after another music video, just like it would, you know, normally on YouTube where the next music video starts streaming. Instead, it's a Kiavel's video. 
And those have been really effective because I can really dial in the audience. And I've gotten it to the point where over 60% of the people who, who see that ad stay and watch at least two minutes and 15 seconds of the video. So they're staying and checking it out. So you have to take a modern approach. It's not the same as what it used to be where you're just blasting things out there. You've really got to dial it in and find that specific audience for it to have any kind of efficacy. Mm -hmm. So like, how do you measure, like what's your ultimate end measure of success? Like, is it just the watch time or like, what are you, like, what are you hoping to accomplish that you are able to measure or not measure? It depends on the call to action. So, um, if it's, if I have my call to action set to subscribe now, my end goal will be how many subscribers did we get or my result, my, whether or not it was successful will be how many subscribers did we get? Or if it's, um, you know, pre-order the album now, how many sales did we make off of this? So it, it really depends on what I'm telling people to do with my call to action on how effective it was. That's cool. And do you see pretty good results on uh, subscriptions, for example? Yeah, actually, they've um, their subscriptions have increased to the point where YouTube can no longer measure it. It just says greater than 999%. 999% of what? Increase over the previous 28-day period. So, okay. okay, wow, that's great. Yeah. And it's same with like Spotify. Uh, they've increased by, what was it, 16 times? At least. So yeah, at least 16 mm -hmm. times now since I right. started. I mean, part but of that could be like sort of where I'm going with this is like that could also be just part of having sick music videos and exactly. good songs, you know, like they're just gaining fans organically. With, yeah, it's with a combination of the two. Spotify is driven by content almost entirely like their Spotify spikes as soon as they have content that's new and fresh and awesome. Mm -hmm. But they also have the whole package. You guys got to, you got to keep in mind too, right? Like they have the whole, they got the PR. They also have the sales stuff processes in place. They also have the ads. So it's not like necessarily just, it's like you're saying, Ben, if they were just focusing on ads, it might. It wouldn't work it wouldn't work, but they have the PR and they have the sales process. Right. Yeah. You got to have everything. Yeah. It's, like, yeah. yeah, that, that's the overall yeah. point is like, yeah. uh, you got to have everything working in place yeah. at the same time for advertising exactly. to be effective. Yeah. And that's where I agree with you that ads should come last. You should have yeah. your image. You should have your socials. You should have your music videos, your album, your PR, you should have all of those in place and then start advertising. Otherwise you're advertising something that's either subpar or just nothing in general. Yeah. You have to have everything in place and then start pushing people. Yeah. Or you're just advertising into a vacuum, you know, exactly. like what, yeah. Like, you know, you're, you've got nothing to support it now. I yeah. mean, certainly there are examples where advertising can be very effective yeah. from just an, a pure ROI perspective. Like I know some of those guys who do uh, like online guitar courses and, and stuff like mm -hmm. that, just yeah. like they've got, they've got that shit dialed in, you know, where they know if they put X amount of dollars into whether it's YouTube, Facebook, you know, and they have like uh, A, B, C, D different versions of the ad. And then they, you know, they go with yeah. the best one. They like, you know, they've got the whole formula just completely dialed in. They've got a whole funnel of how they do it and acquire users. And they're very, very good at it. Uh, but for something that's 
more on the creative side and subject to opinion and emotions like music is, I don't mm-hmm. think the same logic really applies. It, it doesn't, but it also kind of does. I test all of the audiences. Um, when I'm placing an ad, I have different sets of audiences, different placements and different criteria that I'm testing against to see which one works best, who, who likes this video when it pops up into their, into their YouTube the most. So I can then turn off the ones that aren't working and put more money into the ones that are. So all of the testing can still be done even when it's creative because there's still a way to measure that audience. For it's sure. just whether or yeah. not you want to take the time and have the investment to do it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it's just like, it's not as, um, to it's Curtis's point, you, you need to have all the other stuff going. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because it is such a more of a creative endeavor. It well, is, yeah. and it's not as straightforward either, because it's like you, with you said, the guitar courses, you can type in people who are interested in guitar courses are the ones I want to target. But when it's something creative, it's a whole different mindset you have to get into for sure yeah um i have a question about print if you want to talk about that in a minute ben but before we do i just say putting that out there so i don't forget mm-hmm. um before we do so have you ever seen it wor- uh happen where a band has done it like you said they didn't have all the elements but they just went for the straight ads and it did work by chance no no i've, okay. I've never seen that happen no okay uh, you know, and, and sometimes we will get those bands that come to us and, you know, it's just uh, like, usually it's some um, people who are, you know, maybe a little bit older, like in their thirties or forties, you know, and they've got secure jobs and they have money and they've had that conversation where they're like, we're going to spend whatever, 5,000, $10,000 on this album campaign. And some of that is earmarked for advertising and they'll do the campaign and, you know, they'll pay right away from some bank account in like the Canary Islands or some shit, you know, and like this has actually, ha- you know, and it's just like, all right, guys, you know, if this is what you want to do, uh, sure, you know, and then those are the same bands. Sometimes you see them buy on to tours yep. um, and that never works either. If anyone's listening and has some band or agent pitching them on buying on, don't do it. <laughs> um because that was actually something I wanted to ask you about, because that's a topic that Curtis and I have run into a couple of times. And so that's interesting. I'm glad you brought it up. <laughs> sure. Let's go there. Uh, no, Ooh. I just, yeah, I thought it was don't do it. No, see, because I personally don't like that plan either. It just, I don't, I'm not very experienced in the whole thing, but it just seems like a bad idea to me. But I know of at least one band that is probably going to buy onto a tour and it's, I just, yeah. So all of your thoughts on that are welcome. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, you know, there are examples where that kind of thing can be effective. Like I'm thinking of all the Ozfest tours where, yep. uh, you know, where like bands or their labels had to pay a certain yep. amount for the band or, or, or commit to a certain amount of promotion in monetary yep. value for the tour. And those tours were massively successful and launched tons of bands career, but those were signed bands, you know, for the most part, and who had all the machinery that, that Curtis was speaking about the label, the PR, the agent, they, they're not just some band, you know, like hoping that if they open, you know, the first of five on an Exodus tour, that they're going to yep. be the, like the next big thrash band. You know what I mean? Like that just doesn't, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But 
there, but like you said, there are certain, always going to be certain circumstances where it makes sense. Like one thing I'm uh, thinking about and I, it, maybe it wasn't a buy-on, but I'm pretty sure it was when in this moment tour with Ozzy and that kind of like got them broken out. But again, like you said, they had a label, they already had a PR machine going, they had the entire thing going. So I guess the moral of the story is unless you have that backup, it doesn't make sense, right? Sure. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know about that tour in particular, but, um, I, I, I you know, you might have knowledge of it, but I, I would don't. point, I would point, I would point out that, uh, Blasco Ozzy's bassist is in this moment's manager or was, I believe at yeah. that time. So yeah. that may have been how they got that gig or it may have been a buy on that's on true. top of that. You know, I, 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 I don't know. Um, yeah. But yeah, like the point is, like you said, that, yeah, they had a label, they had everything, they already probably had a hit or two, you know, at that time. And um, it's a little bit different than just some band saying, like, if only we can play for people, then yeah. that will be the big break for us, you know, and, and that's, that's the big illusion there, right? You know, it's like it, it, the system is unfair. And the only way to crack it is to throw money at it. And that will put us in front of an audience and the audience will like us. Yeah. It's like that band. I heard a story about some band thing. I think it was like a million bucks to open for crew is what I think it was. I think it was Motley Crew or something like that. And it was just like, nothing happened after that. I, th I think it was Motley Crew, but like, yeah. Oh, kind of stupid. Um, so then how does a band get onto a big tour or, or a good tour without a buy on then? Because that seems to be the main thing nowadays is buy on I, I want to hear your perspective on that who's saying that's the main thing well not a main thing but i mean let me rephrase what i'm saying here there's a, all common, the thing? a common thing is for people it is who's who's doing that i'll i'll, I'll tell you I'll, I'll tell you after the phone call <laughs> that I, I've, I've seen this but <laughs> okay <laughs> I, um, I know of, i know of several i've not, seen it I, they're, they're not like personal people that i know yeah. i just know that they've done it yeah. Right. And I just out of curiosity or have any of those bands found success no. from that? No, of course. No, not at all, right. which yeah. is why I don't yeah. like it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but but in any in any case, um, yeah. how does a band get onto tours? Um, it it uh, well, that's an important role of a manager going bringing it back to the beginning of this conversation is it's a manager's job to go out there and network with other managers, hype their band up. We have an album coming out in the fall, uh, you know, throw the Spotify numbers, the YouTube numbers, uh, the, the past history or, or whatever, you know, and, and convince someone, whether it's another manager or a booking agent to, to get that slot, uh, you know, and this is where relationships come in. This is where relationships have value. Managers, booking agents, people at record labels can be really helpful in getting band, their bands onto tours with acts on the label. Um, although they don't necessarily make those decisions, they can be very helpful in helping to facilitate that. Uh, so, I mean, it's really, it's, it's a networking game in a lot of ways. And having your shit together and all the pieces in place, again, it's, is what it comes back mm -hmm. to. For sure. Yeah, because no matter how much money you throw at it, if you don't have all of your, your ducks in a row prior to going out on the road, prior to spending on ads, it's just going to bomb, no matter yep. how much money you throw at it. Pretty so, much, yeah. So unless you had a follow-up on that, Corey, I wanted to ask another one. No, go for it. Okay, so next aspect of management. So 
other than so for touring let's let's just finish up, up the touring conversation before going to the next one so we how do we get back from ads to touring we fucking went and been leaping back and forth it's all week. related curtis everything it's, it's all, all the it's same it's all part of the same web <laughs> i know but i just realized i missed my earlier question i was going to ask you so i'm going to go back to my earlier otherwise i'm going to forget it um back to ads so just briefly i want to hear your thoughts about bands buying print ads right uh just bands independently themselves buying a print ad yeah like because okay because how do i want to put this should a band be investing in print ads in your opinion because a, there's a lot of magazines especially in europe where they won't cover a band unless they invest in an ad it's a common thing in europe um not as common in the united states and canada but it's very common there um I personally don't think it's worth it most of the time, but I want to hear what your thoughts are. I know you're a digital ad guy, but I just want right. to hear what you um, I mean, like from, from a purely promotional perspective of like, yeah. is this ad going to get people to pay attention, you know, fans, potential fans to pay attention to my band. Um, I could also, uh, you know, you could send me that $2,000 and I would spend it on toilet paper or any number of other things. And it would be very valuable, more valuable than buying that ad. <laughs> um, but, you know, you made an important point of that there are certain publications that will only cover you if you spend money. Yep. And, you know, I, I don't really know how to answer that question because I'm not Perfect. experienced in it. Uh, we don't do it that way. Um, I'm, I'm certainly aware that there are publications who do, or they'll yep. do it in, um, you, you know, I mean, on one side, there's like publications who say like, if you pay us 500 bucks, we'll review your record. Yep. And then there, you know, which I, I think is, uh, how it's done in Europe fairly commonly. And then there's the U S way, which is like, if you buy an ad, then we'll write about your band. Um, you know, and certainly there are print publications who do that, um, mm -hmm. or versions of that. And, you know, I mean, I mean, look, I guess it comes down to whether we think press is going to make a break, make or break a band. I think oh. at this point in 2021, press is not going to make or break a band. Uh, Agreed. you know, 10 years ago, different story, yep. but, um, you know, uh, like I, I understand that bands could want to play that game and maybe there's some value there, but I don't think that it's necessary. I agree. I think it's more of a vanity thing a lot of the time, especially with Big the time. old where it's yeah. like, oh, my name, my band is in print. And you're like, well, it's important. Yeah. 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 It's like, you know, I can show my mom, I can show everyone else that I got in print, but one thing I don't know if you've ever ever saw, but it was like I think it was last year I did a poll to ask how many people had actually read a print music magazine in the last thirty days, and I think it was like two hundred people answered, and it was like three people had actually read. <laughs> wow. Right. Well, I mean, I would point out maybe there's some uh, bias there with your you know you're True. doing this on a digital platform conducting True. this poll. Um, That's a, you know, a good point. but. Um, but I mean, I think your, your overall point still stands that, um, mm -hmm. I mean, look, like I, I think the print publications do a great job Same. and I think they're a valuable part of our community. Same. But, you know, if you're asking specifically about whether a band should spend money, yep. um, 
I don't know if the juice is worth the squeeze. I think yeah. if it's from a label perspective and it's coming from a bigger budgetary pot, there I might agree. be some value there. In addition to the labels know well that their dollars help keep those magazines alive, that's you know, true. and they're, they're helping out. Um, and that's worth it. But from an individual band perspective, it's, it's much harder to see it for me. That was a very diplomatic answer and perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Diplomacy for the win. <laughs> exactly. Um, I mean, you know, I, I, you know, I, I do like, I mean, I, I don't personally read any print mags at this point because, uh, you know, I just don't have the, the time, you know, with like two kids. And I mean, and also just because I do this stuff for a living and like when I unplug, like I need to just not think about metal, you know, like I don't want to read about more metal when yeah. I, when I step away from my desk. Um, but, you know, every now and then I'll pick up like a, a, a decibel feature, you know, and I, I'll, I'll read like one of the longer features they do and, and it's great stuff, you know, and yep. that serves an important role in the metal yeah. community for sure. Well, the, the, the one thing that I, I feel just, just, to, just to follow up for print versus digital advertising, what I like is that you can actually click, have the, band, have the person click through to make a sale right off the bat versus with an ad in a print magazine, you don't get that immediate, you know, ability to click through and be able to purchase right off the bat. You have to make sure the person, the person has to put down the magazine, go to their phone, type in the web address and the whole nine yards. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's personally why I, 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 that's the main reason why I feel like it's less effective, even despite the fact that people are seeing the name, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I mean, at the same time, though, like digital ads aren't remarkably effective from that perspective either. Uh, you know, like we're talking about on, on Blastbeat. Yeah. If we see a click rate uh, and, it, you know, it varies by size and location and stuff. But like, let's just say if we see a click rate of 0.3% on yeah. a campaign, that's amazing. That is yeah. really yeah. good. You know, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. Banner ads. Yeah. You know, and and of those people, you know, we lose the ability to track once the click happens, but of those people, if they make a sale that, you know, like what percentage of those 0.3, like, you know, it's some infinitesimal, like you're, you're never going to make your investment back on a banner ad campaign, or it's very rare, I should say, you know, so I think it's important not to get trapped into like banner, you know, digital banner ads are better than print ads because you sure. can track results. Um, I, I think of it more as like a nice bonus. Fair. Well, what what type of digital ad do you think is the best to do then, out of curiosity? If if I were a band or a label, I would be putting more dollars into social media for sure. You know, I say somebody who stands to lose money from saying this. So, yeah. you know, um, you know, but it's it's fine. We're just being honest here. Um, you know, I would uh, certainly Facebook and YouTube, I think would be the primary places. Um, and I would look into, I mean, this is getting harder now with the, the recent changes with, uh, you know, Apple on the devices and, and the ad tracking, but, you know, I'd look into certain retargeting efforts, see what's available there through some of the larger networks, uh, Google for sure. I would be, yep. I would be involved with, um, and, um, I think I, I would earmark some for the traditional banner ad route because I think there is value there in being able to present a larger digital canvas and and um, that the opportunity for messaging and brand awareness that that affords. 
Mm -hmm. Cora, you got anything? No, I agree on the social media aspect. Um, I find that it's, it's so much easier, well, not necessarily easier, but more effective to really target a specific audience that you know is going to be engaged with whatever it is that you're advertising. Um, like, like I said, this is my, my bread and butter is what I do all day long as I get inside people's heads. And the primary way I do that is through their social media activity and tracking their interests that way. And then obviously testing everything that you put out there to make sure that you have the most effective campaign that you possibly can. And that sure. way, you know, sure. I mean, getting your, your cost per view or your cost per click down as far as humanly possible while still maintaining a high percentage of people clicking or viewing your ad, that's the only way to do it is to keep drilling into people's minds and understanding what it is that they're looking for that you then have to present to them in that way. Fair enough. Um, so next, next thing, unless you got something else, Corey. <laughs> okay. Uh, next, next thing I just wanted to touch upon just in regards to ads is um, so with blast beat, do you, you guys don't handle social media ads at all. Is that correct? Not in the way that I think you mean. Okay. Uh, like a, a occasionally a label will want to utilize our social media platforms to, um, very, very occasionally like to post, uh, like a video clip or something like that for something they're promoting or, or like more often the way it's utilized is we'll do say like a giveaway, you know, like we'll do a giveaway with E1 where it's a bunch of E1 vinyl and we're posting it on our sites and we're posting it on our social networks also, you know, and it's all kind of like included in one, one package. But as, mm -hmm. but as far as what you mean, I think as like targeted ad campaigns, yeah. Yeah. we don't do that. No. For, okay. So now next question is about uh, with the giveaways, uh, can like a regular band buy that or do you only offer that to labels? Um, it's up to the sites. Okay. You know, it's whatever the site wants to do. Uh, like we can tell, you know, we can't tell, like, I don't think very many of the other sites really do that sort of stuff, Fair. but you know, like me and Matt would decide for metal sucks, whether it's something we want to do, Rob and Frank would decide for metal injection. Um, it just depends on the label, depends on the band, whether we think it's something we want to get behind or not. Um, Fair. I mean, usually we don't even charge for it, you know, like, cause usually, the benefit of doing a, a giveaway is email addresses. Yeah. Those are very valuable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there, there are examples where say like we would do a, a giveaway and then we would include an email blast and all social networks, um, you know, and do that and, you know, and maybe charge for it that way. But mm -hmm. um it, it wouldn't like it, it doesn't take the form of uh, just a band coming to us and saying like, Hey, how much is it for a, a con a giveaway? You know, we don't really do it like that. Okay. And then I had a question about ad the advertorial. So how do you guys kind of pick and choose who does those? Cause you guys have had a few in the past and I'm curious how they are, are figured out. Like which kinds of ones? Like the ones about the gambling and stuff like that. I've seen, I've seen yeah. stuff. I mean, um, I, I, I mean, the way I look at it is like, as we were talking about earlier, some some publications just straight up car charge for coverage, 
some publications um, in the U.S. don't charge for coverage, but will heavily strong arm a label or a band into an ad buy in exchange for coverage. Oh, (laughs) you know, we do neither of those things. So if you see a post about an online casino, you know, it's paid for. And if you see an article about a band on our site, you know, it's not paid for, Uh, you know, so like I personally would rather accept 500 bucks for some stupid casino post and just like, you know, and know that it's, uh, you know, have people know what it is and probably not read it, frankly, than, you know, like post about some band and there'd be doubts about where our money is coming from. Uh, Because like the stuff, like the casino stuff, that's an SEO thing. Those, those companies don't care about the content. They don't care whether anyone even reads it. It's just whether it gets indexed by Google with a link to their site that helps increase their search rankings for people searching for particular terms. That's all it is. Yeah, that's all they, that's, that's what that is. Do you quality check that though? Or is it just like, you'll just. I mean, we, we've turned, we turned stuff down. Yeah, I had to. Yeah, like turn one down this week. That was like, just like uh, male enhancement pill. Like it was just like an uh, this like you know thing, and it was a lot of money too. But it was just like, sorry guys, like this is not <laughs> gonna work. Um, you know, but I mean, like the ones that do go up, we give them kind of a quick once over, try and make them coherent, and mm-hmm. um, you know, and just move them along to the next. Fair enough. Do you got a follow up, Corey? Uh, no, no, that all makes sense to me. Did you have another follow-up? I feel no, like you always do. Well, I don't really. I'm, I, I kept waiting for you. And did you I, want to get back to the touring question that you started to ask, but did not finish? Ask now. I'm sorry. I totally. <laughs> that always happens. Yeah. Always forget what you were going to ask. Yeah, I forgot. <laughs> so, um, I think basically the last thing I got for Ben on ads, unless you got something else is kind of like, so not really ads where where how much money do you think a band who already has the pr they already have like the rest of the marketing machine in place how much should they be setting aside to do a proper ad campaign to make to help make the album successful that's a really hard question to answer um because bands you know come from so many different backgrounds and, you know, different socioeconomic groups. And, you know, it's really hard for me to answer without sorting, you know, and they could be at different, like different levels of bands, you know, like I almost feel like Corey would be better qualified to answer that. Um, But certainly not a lot, you know, Um, I I would put the majority of, of any funds I had earmarked for promoting my band's record into, into the other things. Yeah. So like the PR and, and the other different aspects, sales aspects and stuff first. Fair mm-hmm. enough. Um, I think that's all I got. Do you got anything else, Corey? No, I'm, I just, I agree on that last point. Uh, the last thing you should be budgeting for is ads and to make sure that everything else is in place and to only really start spending on them if you have the surplus cash to do so. Um, and that you've gotten everything else set up. So, you know, your socials, your web shop, your PR, making sure your image is dialed in, all of that needs to be done first. Yeah. And the main point I think is the thing Ben brought up at the beginning is you got to have quality music yes. in order for anything to work. Because if you have 
the PR and you have the advertising, it's not going to work if you mute your music. Exactly. Right. And I mean, that's tricky though, because every band yeah. thinks they have quality music, right? This you know, true. so, um, so, true. you know, but to the extent that where are you putting your effort? Yeah. Is it on tinkering with YouTube ads or writing more songs? Yeah. It's put into writing more songs and fine tuning those songs. Um, yep. you know, you know, and, and all the other things like rather than worrying about ads, which should come later in the process and, and should not be as big of an emphasis. Agreed 100%. Because we, we've also all seen those bands that have a lot of cash to burn and they'll just throw all this money and then it still goes nowhere because they just suck. They're not very good. They don't. Or, or they're mediocre. That, yeah, like, or, that's the big, and I think we talked about this last yeah. time. Like that, that's yeah. the biggest problem of all is like, okay, yep. this thrash band, pretty good. You know, yep. but sounds just like 50 other thrash bands. Like what's yep. the, why, why would anyone care? Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Um, what else do we got, Corey? I think that's it. And this has actually been a decently long podcast. There's a lot of good information in here for people. Yeah. I don't, I think you didn't even realize what time it was, did you, Curtis? <laughs> no, I didn't. I just looked right now what time it was. I've, I've it's been always so great talking to Ben. You have so much information and it's so helpful to people. So definitely going to have to have you back. Thank you. Yeah, uh, I really appreciate that. And uh, I'll come back anytime you guys want. Just let me know. Okay, so tomorrow at <laughs> three o'clock it. in the morning. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, so Ben, do you have anything you want to plug before before we end off? Um, way to put me on the spot, Curtis. I'm sorry, man. He does it to me too all the time if it makes you feel any better. Oh, it oh, does. Oh, oh. Plug Metal Sucks for you. Go to go to metalsucks.net because sure. <laughs> right. uh, follow Ben. Uh, I think it's at Vince Neilstein on Twitter, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, that's right. And I don't know your Instagram handle, but it's probably at Vince Neilstein as well. I'm assuming. Nah, I don't think anyone's gonna want to follow that. It's just okay. like kid pics and stuff. I don't. I that that one isn't so metal. Okay. <laughs> follow him on at, on Twitter at Vince Neilstein and anything yep. else. Fo- follow me on Vince Neilstein on Twitter. Uh, a lot of content about Robin, uh, wacky metal band photos, music, 90s dance pop. Oh my gosh, I loved uh, the post that you did the other, was it the other day of the like worst band photos ever? And yes, these are all real. I, I love that one. Yeah, yeah. That <laughs> stuff is always, uh, always a goldmine for, for some is, good entertainment. It was very entertaining, <laughs> some of them. Yeah. It's good stuff. I mean, we get that stuff funneled into our inbox daily. We don't even have to try. So, yeah. yeah. But, well, thanks so much for having me. So, final words are party on, Corey. Party on, Curtis. Party on, Ben. Party. If you enjoyed this podcast, please help spread the word by leaving us a five-star review on your platform of choice. You can also join the conversation by following us on any social media and suggesting guests or topics you'd like to learn more about. Thanks for listening to C-Squared.